is Tom Cruise crazy Just be glad it's him, not you If you had Tom Cruise's troubles You might be Tom Cruise crazy too You'd flash your big white shiny smile You'd buy expensive shoes But you'd be the only man on earth couldn't enjoy Tom Cruise, oh no Welcome back to episode two of the Booze Cruise podcast. Welcome back, Mark. Hello. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to whoever's listening. We'll be reviewing the third film in the Tom Cruise uh, Second episode, third film. Yeah. Um, And I feel we should almost bookend this by pointing out it is his third film, but he's not in it very much. (laughs) I was, I was, I had this thought actually when um, I'm like, are people going to be listening to this podcast? And then I had like uh, Goldblum in Jurassic Park flashbacks when he's like tapping on the camera. He's like, uh, uh, is there going to be any Tom Cruise in your Tom Cruise podcast at any point? Um, hello. I have, but... I do have the timestamps of every time Tom Cruise is in. There. <laughs> um, he's only in four scenes. He's less than he's in taps. Yeah, as well, and a less influential character. Uh, essentially, you can see why he was cast after taps you can uh, yeah. th- there's a similarity in terms of like he is the sort of live wire wild card character but it doesn't but not in the same extent of uh, as taps but he doesn't really have a lot to and, do but also he's also um one of the very few people in the world that can pull off a double denim and um <laughs> cut off sleeves double denim <laughs> well i think he's probably as close as anyone um but before we get into stuff um yeah we're not very good at self-marketing so i could probably point out at this point if, if you enjoy the show um you can catch us on instagram at booze cruise pod or you can catch us on twitter which i've had to set up a second one because the first twitter account got they suspended <laughs> the account no 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 reason they've not really told me um so you can get us on twitter at real booze cruise uh, because there is another booze cruise but we're the real booze cruise so so yeah we're, we're available on instagram and um but, and twitter we don't really do facebook but you can probably find us on there as well so i think that's the that's that little marketing bit done so that might get us some more followers you never know if, if you are one of those send us a little message and say hi or something uh, we, we'll and, definitely and, get back you to know, you do something and like give us a five-star rating on something i think that's how this works doesn't yeah. it yeah <laughs> hit subscribe on either apple that's or it. spotify leave us a good review and then yeah maybe one day we'll buy you a beer or you can follow us personally on twitter as well because you know we're always hungry for more, more followers yes uh, first but first i'm not going to tell you what our handles are you have to go to the booze cruise twitter page first to get it we're covering uh the outsiders this week um yes 1983 is the outsiders a 1983 classic released in march 1983 i, I was just having a look sort of like going uh, what have we got next did you know he like Cruz had like four films come out in 1983? Uh, he was a busy boy. <laughs> he was a very busy boy in 1983. Um, Bumper Cruz year, and be, probably because he's not in these films very much, he had a lot of scope to do quite a few. Because yes. he's only in a few scenes. It's like, yeah. watch how how long am I going to be on this one? Just a day. It's yeah. like so I can go off and make another one. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so as we like to set the scene for for the year the film makes a bit more relevance to you although probably won't make much difference but 1983 some um, key events that I've got here pound coin was introduced the one pound coin was introduced really yeah that seems a little bit crazy um, it does what did we have before I, I, I literally <laughs> wasn't born so I don't know <laughs> I wasn't born or had any access to well, money so. before that everyone just used uh, you know shekels and uh, mice yes <laughs> other other key things combat discs or CDs were first available to buy in the shops uh, it was just preceded by there was it used to be a program uh, called Tomorrow's World. Yes, uh, and when they, they famously when they, obviously when the whole thing with compact disc music on from cassettes 
was that as the, tends to be with like a new technology that people don't really understand at the time they seem to think it's indestructible for some reason <laughs> and they famously was like you could do anything to these and they will still play and they basically went yeah poured marmite on it and like scratched uh. it to fuck and then put it in the machine and surprising enough it didn't work and if you look at it now and go clearly because you know one scratch and these things are fucked um so other key events um if you're a car fan voxel nova and the um, Ford Fiesta were first released. <laughs> the Ford Fiesta. Um, that is uh, basically the, the standard shooting car from the 90s into the early 2000s. The first episode of Blackadder was broadcast. Really? It's Black- a key Blackadder milestone is... in comedy British television, <clears throat> I'd say. Key milestone in my own <laughs> childhood, mm. I was to say. Margaret Thatcher called a general election and won by loads. Oh, sorry, I was feeling slightly <clears throat> sick. What so, you yeah. <laughs> sorry, is that all the miners' children crying in the distance I can hear? <laughs> Uh, so it's the beginning of the end for England, really, um, in many ways. Um, but on a brighter note, um, the first ever heart and lung transplant took place. Is it on Margaret Thatcher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she, she just took some. Oh, I'm sorry. You got... That suggests that she has a heart. So <laughs> what was I thinking? Our favourite bit of information from that year is how much do you think a pint was? So in 1981, uh, well, yeah. it was 50p. So I will go on the rate of polar inflation. Uh, it was uh, 75p. <sighs> 63p a pint in the oh. UK. Still, that'd be dangerous times now. Yes, there are. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it goes back to the times where you used to be able to walk into a pub with a tenner, come over with change, and still yeah. off your face. <laughs> Go on in um, these days. Some key notable births. Uh, yeah. Chris Chris Hemsworth. Ooh, the best of the Hemsworths. Yeah. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis and Hemsworth are the same age. And Cheryl Cole. Cheryl Cole, as in... Or Gonzalez, Ramirez, whatever her name is. Oh, no, no. What is she now? She's probably changed it again, isn't she? I, I don't think know. she's on the third or fourth <laughs> husband or whatever it is. But, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it was her birthday as well. Um, the film was released in March 1993. Yeah, um, towards the end of March. So the UK number one, Bonnie Tyler, Total Clips of the Heart. Oh, stone cold classic with the freakiest video you'll see for some time. But interestingly, number one in America, Michael yeah. Jackson and Billie Jean. So you, that's quite surprising. You put more people in England wanted to listen to Bonnie Tyler than Michael Jackson. Well, Bonnie Tyler was very popular. That's all my uh, little facts from 1983 for you. Would you like some facts directly linked to The Outsiders? Why not? Why not? So obviously, The Outsiders. I mean, I like I said before on the last episode, I haven't actually seen this. So I did a little as we do, little little recce into the film. And I was surprised to know that it's, in terms of pedigree, in terms of the people involved, it's actually more well-known and quite high up than I would have expected. Namely, that its director is Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> I was like, the fuck? Part of the, uh, with the movers and shakers, it changed Hollywood, really. Absolutely. Spielberg, him, <laughs> Lucas, and... Um... Zoetrope films, you know, you know, American Free, all that sort of jazz. Yeah. Well, obviously, Coppola, most well-known for um, the Godfather trilogy, Apocalypse Now, like Bram Stoker's Dracula. But to gauge how I, not to give anything away, how I feel about this film, because you go, you go, Francis Ford Coppola directed this, he directed the Godfather trilogy, he directed Apocalypse Now. He also directed Jack with Robin Williams. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he is a director that is known for, for dizzying highs and staggering lows. Uh, and this is, I'm not going to give anything away by saying that this is not the Godfather trilogy. <laughs> uh, but moving on to the cast, you've basically got uh, a smorgasbord of early talent. Uh, of the 80s and, and up to till now. So you, the lead, a very young um, C. Thomas Howell, who hasn't actually been in a lot in terms of, he's probably 
as essentially the lead of the film, he's not really been in as much as everybody else who's in the, in, in the cast. He's yeah. probably most well known for um, the original Hitcher. But then you've got Matt Dillon. People probably most know him from um, uh, something about Mary. Yep. Or what's the, or the uh, faux Les Fest that has Neve Campbell and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bacon. And like the name, I should have said that one. The name escapes me. But it is. Um, to be fair, if if a film has got Kevin Bacon in, you know it's going to be pretty low rent, generally yeah, yeah. speaking. I should well, yeah, I should have got the name out because it would have been a really good one for Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. But then obviously you've got. Ralph Macchio, yep. Karate Kid himself, uh, in, in a big role. Patrick Swayze. Oh, so Patrick Swayze being in it uh, may have caused some tears in our house. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it seemed to stir up quite a lot of emotion in my in in Lauren. She got yeah, quite I, upset. She was, <clears throat> and I'd never noticed because I've not really seen. I think I've seen Roadhouse. Roadhouse. That's the only Swayze <laughs> film I've ever seen. You've not seen Ghost? Oh, oh no, yes, no, I have seen Ghost. I've seen Ghost. Be a married so, yeah. man but I'd never seen him. You see Ghost. But I'd never seen like a young him. So I was quite surprised. He's actually quite a handsome, rugged chap. Yeah. Okay. He, he's definitely this. he is he's he's dirty dancing level here. So mm. any any uh, dirty dancing fans, you you're seeing peak Swayze in this. And, yeah. and yes, he does get his shirt off. So does. Uh, one to look out for he's i also find it quite weird because he's you know what you know patrick swayze is because he's still like he's like almost like the patriarch yeah. uh, of the, the this group of characters so it's weird having him like with all these other people who go on to be really massive like massive superstars to have patrick swayze as like the father figure of those yeah. was i thought yeah. was a bit, a bit of a weird one then you've got rob lowe uh who's been in you know big hit in the part of the 80s brat pack been like uh, Austin Powers films, The West Wing, Wayne's World, loads of stuff. Wayne's World, uh, Emilio Estevez, from, you know, famous from again. the Mighty Ducks and D two and D three, um, <laughs> two of my favourite films from my childhood. But yeah, you know, he massive in the eighties with like Young Guns and things like that. Uh, but again, same with uh, Rob Lowe, uh, part of the eighties Brat Pack. Uh, then you've got a, a very young and almost unrecognisable Diane Lane in it as well as yeah. the as the female lead, which. And if you hadn't told me, you know, if you hadn't told me that she was in it, I wouldn't have recognised her. Uh, but and then, of course, last but not least, we have uh, Thomas Macaulay the Third, otherwise known as Tom Cruise, uh, in uh, in four, four four good scenes. But, the reason we're all here, really. The reason we're all here. I mean, the, our, our love of the cruiser uh, is undying and will always live on. There is. I don't know if you did you spot. I mean, I knew about it and I didn't spot it. But there is also a uncredited Nicolas Cage cameo. What? <laughs> no, I didn't. I missed that. I ah uh, Nicolas Cage, the star of my favorite film of all time, Connor. But uh, okay, you know, pop quiz, hop shot. Uh, why would Nicolas Cage? be having an uncredited cameo in this film. There's a reason why Nicolas Cage in particular would be given a role in this film. His uncle is Francis Ford Coppola. I did not know that about the Cage. Do you know who his aunt is? His aunt is none other than Talia Shire, a.k.a. Adrian! <laughs> from the Rocky series. So who that's is, how uh, he got his, uh, somehow blacked the film well, through that, that's why he that, That's why he changed his name, because his name uh, is Coppola. Uh, he changed it to Cage because he didn't want the, uh, the family leg up. He wanted to name. make it on his own acting, acting yeah. His own acting. He's like, uh, I, I find, I'd like I, to I'd believe like it's to... more. Someone went, "You're too mental to carry the Coppola name. Change yeah. it because we don't want to be associated with you." The actual film budget of ten million. Wow. Uh, made in the states, don't have worldwide figures. Made about twenty-five mil. So that's about seventy-four million in adjusted for inflation dollars. But it, it took for like essentially a small indie. Which is was yeah. Uh, that's pretty good figures. Uh, based on the novel of the same name by someone called Susan Hinton, 
uh, which is that not an interesting fact until you go to the other bit. It goes, she started writing it when she was 15, finished most of it when she was 16, and had it published when she was 18 years old. <laughs> That's quite impressive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like I had a whole book written and published by the time you're 18. Makes me feel slightly inferior. So <laughs> we're going to draw a line under that and go... Good for you, Susan. Before we actually get into the actual storyline and what happens there, I've yeah. got a couple of surprises. So um, where did you watch it? Did you watch it off Af- on Amazon? No, well, I watched it on Apple. Okay, so I watched it on Amazon. I was quite shocked that it's a 12. Is it? I didn't know. I didn't actually look. Especially when you watch the opening scene. <laughs> I, I, one of my opening notes is like violence from the off. Yeah, <laughs> but I was, I, the first, I was like, wow, I can't believe this is a 12. Um, yeah, so... Um, last week we mentioned how in Taps it was a very very slow build and intro into a film. Yeah. This week not so much. It's pretty much bang into the violent action from the off, really. Yeah. I mean, even the opening credit. The, 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 I found the opening credits weird because the opening credits is very sunset at sunset, and they do they, they do that thing of like uh, which gave me like the, the old school sort of West Side Story vibes of like it, so in, in the credits is like the greasers. Yeah, good to credits, and then the socials. So one of the things I've got down in my notes from the very start is, is greasers and so uh, sofs or whatever they were called. No, they're called the, the socials. So the, the yeah, socials, like as in the socials. I've got two different groups, rich and poor. Is this going to be a musical? Fucking hope not. Because <laughs> all, all I was thinking is, is this going to be like West Side Story? Please yeah, don't be like it, West Side it, Story. No, the, the, the credits give you West Side Story vibes, and then. Later, in terms of what the way it sets it up, itself up, I'm like, it's like a bizarro alternate dimension version of Greece without the songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it, I, I think it, it goes into the way uh, Coppola sets the scene of it being set in the 60s. Because uh, obviously, you know, this is an 80s film. Because it's that weird thing, like, because we you've got all these defining, like, you know, not, not at the time, but from when I was looking at it back now, you've got all these definably 80s, 90s stars. Yeah. In a very that, that you very much associate with that time period, but in a film set in the sixties. So yeah. my mind kept like going, "It's the sixties. It's not the eighties. It's the it's made in the eighties, but it's the sixties. These are eighties stars starring in a sixties set film." It's like, very much it, so. kept, but kept seeing like just seeing people like Estevez and Cruz and Lowe just kept throwing my mind out like, "Oh no, it, it's supposed to be the sixties. And I think Coppola does a lot of work to really set the scene of it being yeah, it's, a 60s set film. It's sort of quite strange in the message throughout in that there's moments where it's quite gritty and dark and quite a social commentary on stuff. But then at other times, it's very sort of pondery, which sort of doesn't fit at certain moments. Which, you know, also sits with, with the opening. You go from the, obviously, the weird opening credits with a Stevie Wonder song as well, which, again, didn't, good song, but didn't really fit. <laughs> yeah, like all the way through though, there's some great songs. Oh yeah, the soundtrack I've, I've, is great. Yeah, I've, there's some there's some great songs on here. All the way through, I've I've listed each song. <laughs> like, this but, is cracking, uh, so I'd remember. Did you notice how it? It I wouldn't be surprised if you'd forgotten, but the opening sets the film up as a flashback. Yeah. Do you know how many times that is referenced throughout the entire running of the film? <laughs> Twice more. Once yeah. briefly in the like halfway through the film, you suddenly get like a, a fade in of writing on a notebook i'm like oh yeah 
it's supposed to be a flashback. Yeah. And then it's briefly mentioned at the end. I was like, it feels like, you know, when you can see stuff, they go, that got lost in the edit. They, they decided to give up on that halfway through. But it's go, also, it's very an 80s thing, but there's a lot of um, character self-narration at times in it. You know, a bit like, you know, like <laughs> how in the Wonder Years, every now and again, it'd be like, I never realised until later on. And, but there <laughs> but is, this was a night that was shaped the rest of my life. But there's a bit of that thrown in at times, which yeah. I'm still not sure whether I think it fits or not. Yeah, it, it seems like could, there's lots of techniques and themes and stuff that he wanted to throw in. Instead of going, oh, that doesn't fit, I'll just throw it in and something will stick. Yeah. The film obviously opens up with the... Um, greases and the socias. The greases and the socias. Obviously, but, I wasn't sure at first whether they were greases because they wear lots of grease in their hair or just because they mess around with cars and they're sort of greasy and filthy. I, yeah, I think it's a mix of... The, it was definitely the hair thing. And I you think, again, that's no one... That kept having to remind myself, oh, yeah, it's set in the 60s. Yeah. It is that, that yeah, back in the 60s, that in terms of, you know, that was like uh, the bloods and the, the other ones. Yeah. It's <laughs> it also very much what you've got the very low um, income, poor, sort of um, working class kids. Um, yeah, exactly. And then I mean, the socially, the rich, well off sort of. That, that's what gave me the um, the grease vibes. It's like you've basically yeah. got like the, the greases, like the T birds, both against the varsity guys with, with the letter jackets. Yeah. essentially what it is um but you know my, one of my first notes was like so this is about the class system it's rich versus poor and you've got pony boy i mean actually for a moment let's just give some credit to there's some great character names in the film <laughs> it's really it's, odd ones really and there's like, very what, minimal explanation of why they've got these weird names i know but I, I, one of the explanations was like like my my parents were just weird my name is actually pony ball check yeah. out my birth certificate i was like that's good enough for me it's like yeah it's like i've got weird parents and they just called me pony boy no other reason no other explanation but the, the, the other thing with that is what are the chances that you live in a, a small sort of rundown area and you're called pony boy and you meet and become friends with someone who's called soda pop but- <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe that, maybe that's what brought them together you know Possibly, it's like be, the being mocked for their bizarre shit name brought them together uh, hey, what's your name? Soda Pop. I'm probably boy. We should be friends. It's, it, I can see the scene playing in my head already. Um, your opening scene, you've obviously got the you've, the flashback bit, and then you've got the um, moves on to uh, main... coming out of the cinema, yeah, and then being. But what I noticed is that it's like one of the worst chase sequences because the, there's a real slow escalation of them. Basically, so Pony Boy comes out of the cinema, and he's like he's checking himself out in the mirror yeah. of the cinema, and then it's like there's some. Uh, preppy guys, the socias in, in a car, doing some gentle mocking. And he's yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to walk off. And then he seems to have walked quite away. And then suddenly, you know, they're just walking on the train tracks and they're like on a bridge. It's like, how do they like time that sequence to yeah. go? He's walking up there. Let, let's park up here and throw shit from the bridge. And then suddenly they're several miles away, it would seem, on a street. And they suddenly turn up again. And then they go, actually, no, let, let's just fucking cut him. Yes, they do really cut him. Like, it's, exactly. I was like, it's, it's it was like, really out of the, nowhere. The escalation goes from gentle ribbing, we're just going to mock you from a bridge, let's kill the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. It goes really, really it's all uh, upscales it itself very, escalates very quickly. Escalates very quickly. Escalates very quickly, exactly. I, and I also thought it's quite relevant to current times London with the yeah. em- emphasis on knife crime and gangs. Yeah, well, I think, you know... And it's, it's not... very much a... We won't, well, obviously, won't spoil the ending for you, but it's a very much commentary on what happens if you carry a knife to protect yourself, the risks of what yeah. can happen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, there are, there is a lot of good stuff in terms of... I mean, I, the way it sets it up, characters, and I think oh, it goes a lot more to 
the source material than the, than some of the other stuff and stuff. I mean, I, I did like. I mean, Coppola does kind of go. I'm always you know, when you when you see a film that's this old, you go, are these cliches or were are they cliches now? But they weren't when this was originally yeah. filmed. So he, he goes through the touches of going. I'm going to set this up that it is a film set in the '60s. So you know you got like two of the characters having a walk. And they go to the drive-through and there's like the fight between the the like a the greaser and the thing like a knife fight in the in a drive-through and then they like the police turn up with the batons and it all kicks off. Yeah. Uh, then you randomly have them like finding some kids just sort of like playing on a street corner and like we're tough guys, hey kids, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. And, then, like, and we're so playing fifty-two kids, card pickup, but then just yeah, exactly. smashes their cards in here. Uh, and then just just to really classically set the scene. What do all kids in the sixty-two? They sneak into a drive-through cinema to watch the to watch a film. It's like you can't. It's like again bringing me back when I was like, "This is so Greece." It's like you have you have to go sneak. You've got to have a drive-through scene if it's if it's the sixties. But everyone before went to the we before we get to the drive-through cinema, yes. Bit. So after the the kids get us back after his cut and beat him, yeah. There's the awkward moment where you where you've got the brothers sharing a bed. Oh, I, I, that's a, eleven minutes in. I my exact. So I've were. got four brothers, right? <laughs> and I've probably shared a bed at some point with most of them. I've never had a cuddle like that in bed with I mean, a brother. That wasn't that wasn't a cuddle. That was fucking spooning. It was quite <laughs> creepy, wasn't it? Because I've oh, got down here awkward, very awkward brotherly cuddle. I've I got, hope it's not going to get rapey because I put it. But it's like, so you wouldn't have a bed scene like that now. Just seems weird. It does. <laughs> it's really weird. It's really, it's like, really completely weird. Completely threw me out of it. I was like, okay, because it's like a proper sort of like we're spooning now for some reason. Uh, but now let's talk about girls. Yeah, it's it's really really weird. Maybe but that was just it, maybe that's why there were so many problems in the sixties. <laughs> because no one said. This is no, not right. Yeah, no one knew their boundaries in the bedroom. Maybe that's <laughs> what it was. It's all to a boundary. It's all to yeah. a boundary. And you've also got the next, the second big hit of the, the soundtrack so far. You've got, you hear quite a bit of Gloria. By whom? Stan Morrison. There we go. And they, where they, they do a good job of like introducing, after that obviously gets attacked, they use that as an opportunity to introduce the ragtag bunch of other characters. Yeah. Uh, Who all need a wash. All need a wash. Um, but they did, they, they're quite well defined in terms of like, you know, they've got Machio is the younger one who's, you know, obviously Ponyboy's friend because he's also getting beat up. You've got Swayze as the patriarch. You've got Rob Lowe as the, sort of the, the middle brother who's the constant in between the two of them. Then you've got Cruz who's like just some weird, like we, everyone's basically the, the character that Cruz plays in this film. Everyone, especially when you were growing up, had that in that group of friends that character is like no one really likes him and he's always quite annoying but we he's one of us so he we, we give him a pass it's like he, and, and that's if, essentially the character and if you're like. listening to this and you don't have a friend like that in your group it's you it's you yeah, <laughs> it is you <laughs> you know like, i'm just like saying that out I'm, I'm just thinking of several people like going, you don't know that it's you do you but uh, I, I won't tell you it's fine um on a sort of cinematic view the yeah. film's quite is cut quite quickly and edited. Like there's a lot of quick cuts between shots yeah. and scenes and stuff. And it's very, it's quite fast paced considering it's a early eighties film. I thought it at is. times. And I, I, you know, this will come into more in terms of what I think about the choices that Coppola made. 
what I found is that he, in terms of the style that he goes for and the even down to the the sound mixing and the effects, he does them in a as if it's a film being shot in the 60s, not just a film yeah. about the 60s. He doesn't employ any effects or stylistic tones from the 80s when yeah. it was actually made. He he, he aims to like it's basically a bit like a bit like going a bit like you know WandaVision. If anyone's watched that, like yeah. it's got episodes that are in the 50s and they use they filmed it as if it was actually shot in the 50s. And Coppola does the same thing here, where so there are a lot of moments where I actually found them quite jarring. It's because it's like I'm gonna shoot this as if I was it was actually 1963 rather than 1983. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it took me out of the film a bit, but I get what he was trying to go for. Yeah. But I just don't think it particularly works. Good because it uh, good marks for ideas, but uh, delivery is not. <laughs> Let it down yeah. at times. Uh, or as Sean Connery says in Diamonds Are Forever, uh, right idea, wrong pushy. Yeah. Um, so I think we mentioned about getting them getting to the drive-in. Yes. Um, Where about- you, I was going to say, my first note for the drive-through, but that will see they start talking to the girls. And I've got an early version of negging. <laughs> yes, very much so. And I, I my notes were um, Dow or... Dallas is a mm. bastard. Uh, uh, my, my particular hypothesis. Girls was, love uh, bastards. Typical bastard syndrome. Bet the girl ends up with a bastard. It's like, how, how best to attract a woman by asking her essentially, do the curtains match the drapes? <laughs> it's like, uh, like, you've got red hair. Does that match your pubic? <laughs> it's, it's basically what he says now, like, a, a complete stranger. Uh, but, you know, to be fair, I mean, to fair to the character, she is quite um, authoritative in terms of, you know, she doesn't, she's not a wilting uh, flower. She does sort of stand up for herself. Time. So every I time know, she exactly. stands up for herself, then there's at least two times where she really doesn't. Yeah. As because it's feel progressive. The, yeah, she throws the drink in his face uh, and you're like, she's like, basically, just fuck off. And then he tries it again. He's like, no, I said fuck off. But then when she's like walking back with the other, she's like, if I ever see him again, I might just fall in love with him. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. That's what I was Because I'd written, I'd taken notes just before that saying that he was a bastard, typical bastard syndrome for women that girls do love a complete bump bastard. And and I bet she ends up with him. And then she spat that line out. I was like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. It, 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 to the and you, but you, it, it does the effect because you can see, like, you know, Pony Boy, our main character, is like, I really like this girl. I'm getting one. And then she's like, Oh, I just might fall in love with your asshole friend that I told the fuck off a minute ago. And but you're lovely though. Yeah. You've been really nice to me. But I actually probably will go with the other guy. I, I found myself relating to him a little bit too much as, <laughs> as for many years as someone that lived in, as a master of the friend zone. For have you all, have you always felt to be a slight pony boy? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all a pony boy at some point. We're all a pony boy at heart. We're all a pony boy at heart. We've all been that sounds boy. like it should be some kind of weird insult. You you fucking pony boy. I can imagine Nothing some but cockney, a pony boy, mate. Can imagine Danny Dyer walking around calling people pony boys. Um, and as I like to every now and again take a good quote from my wife during this, um, he's he's a bit rapey. <laughs> there were certain moments, right, peppered throughout the film, where I was expecting certain things to happen, probably because we got so used to certain tropes of that type of character, uh, and it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily play out the way or the character doesn't react in the, in the ways that you expect it to. But still, absolute bastard, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you're first introduced to the fact that Tony's, uh, Pony's um, brother is called Soda Pop. Soda Pop. Which, uh, the, all the way through, I keep thinking, I, I know it's based on a book, but yeah. it's a really pointless thing to have in it. Because Soda Pop's not that big of a character in it. No. And it wouldn't have been too difficult to just give him a name like Steve or something. 
It wouldn't. It really wouldn't have changed much of the story. I don't. No. Think. I mean, I, I guess it kind of fits in with like if you had a kid named Pony Boy whose actual name was Pony Boy, his brother wouldn't be Steve, would it? <laughs> well, no. Like, the, the parents of Pony Boy aren't going to go. We well, you go know, Bob, Steve, Stuart, Pony Boy. <laughs> it's just not going to happen, is it? But they, they were basically just seeing things that were right in front of them. He was like, "What's that? So what about?" It's my boy. <laughs> so what's that out the window? It's a pony boy. It's a pony boy. It's like, yeah. It's, and you, I, I you also, of... uh, at this point, introduce the fact that obviously Pony's a bit, he's a nice guy. Sort of not the most popular or cool or anything like no, but I mean, you, you also get pointed out that his brother's the soda's supposed to be the, the sort of the handsome, popular one, or yeah. more popular. I mean, one I, at that I point. off. I kind of put it like obviously with him, like um, you know, opening shot of him alone in the cinema, and then mention of him like reading books. He's obviously put as the you know he's the the sensitive moral heart of the story straight from the off. It's like you know he's got all, everything around him, and he gets he gets pulled along. But really, he, morally, he's like a, a sweet, sensitive soul. I would like to point out just before that, before we get introduced to uh, Soda Pop, that you have them coming back to um, Ralph Macchio's family home. And there's like Emilio Estevez, Macchio and Pony Boy having the conversation. And there's like a silhouetted scene of like horrible domestic violence happening. Yeah. And they don't bat an eyelid, which I quite like. Like the whole, de- like, that, that, you know, straight away you're like, so they're you know, kids from the wrong side of the tracks and that kind of violence is just an everyday occurrence so, to the point where they're not concerned. Not, it's not even they're not concerned. It's like, well, of course that's happening. That's what you expect to be happening. Well, and you're and also like, to the point into- where- well, explained for the first time that they're orphaned as well, aren't you? And you find out the yeah their mum and dad have, have both died. Uh, but I thought that was, you know, in terms of, that was a nice little way, in terms of setting the character scenes of who these people are, you go, that's where they, you know that's where they are in life that they've basically had everything taken away from them where things that should be hor- you know horrifying don't you know don't scratch the surface because that is just their everyday yeah. the point where they like rather than going inside the house they, their choice is i'll sleep outside in the freezing cold on an old sofa that's but, just how they but before we get to that as well we we've, we've also skimmed past the fact that obviously you've got the um the redhead and um pony and all that talking and having a bit having a chat and that and then the the girl's um drunken dickhead boyfriend turns up yes so yes. You, or, or she stands up to dallas tells him to do one then her drunken idiot boyfriend turns up and she go basically leaves pony and the others and goes off with them in their car where they're drunk what, what, <laughs> wait, wait, what is what does she think she's doing like she's, i know but and she's yeah, trying bless her but the draw of a bastard is just too much for her and you know the thing what i like about her character is that through all throughout the film, she's constantly trying to. This why I found this film. This film is not just a class, you know, uh, class struggle film. It's not just a uh, people from the wrong side of the tracks against yeah. people on the other side. It's more about people trying to break out of the class system that they were born into, uh, and for not just for the people that are on the poor side of things, but also for the people that are in the sort of the upper class, the the, the socials. So you've got her that is constantly trying to not be the person that everyone expects her to be. But essentially failing at every point, so she's done, she does a good bit of job, and then back, to, you know, two yeah. step, one step forward, two steps back for the entire film, and that plays out throughout the entire film. And I thought, that, you know, when you look at it objectively, you're like all the characters are trying to break out of the the the, the role they were, they were born into, yeah, uh, and some are failing, and some fail, and some succeed, and that's kind of the, the main three point. Of a lighter note, one of the things I've got down <laughs> from. From when they're at the drive-in, there's a lot of arguing and chatting and shouting and swapping chairs and moving around and stuff. Yeah. 
Why does no one make a fuss or kick off? Like if, if you're at a cinema or you're at a drive-in, you've got all these young kids pissing around, shouting at each other, moving seats, throwing stuff. Someone, if it was England, you'd be tutting. Or yeah, you'd be saying, <laughs> well, why don't you talk a bit louder so we could all hear or something? You know, there'd be some wise crack or someone would shout something. But no one seems to bat an eyelid that these like that's what I mean, I, I think, rowdy, yeah. drunk kids are just... As, you know, as British people, we're never going to understand drive-thrus. Uh, because I, I don't get them. You can sit outside <laughs> like, at night. That's like, you know, like oh, you know, I remember my only sort of common point uh, was Greece, in the scene in Greece where they, where they come around and they've basically got like a tiny little radio that they prop on the side of your, of your window to hear the film. I was like, well, why would you do this? Yeah. <laughs> Where's my fucking surround sound? I need, I need my immersive experience. It's like, this ain't going to cut it for me looking at it through a car I, I think the with a radio. Is, in America, when you're a teenager, well, it's not even a teenager, teenager, if I had to go through the years of before getting to 21 without being able to drink anywhere, I don't know what I would have. I would have had to resort to sitting in my car watching films outside. I don't know. Instead of yeah, drinking I mean, uh, drinking WKD Blue wait, in the park. I guess you, yeah, you were. That's maybe the, that, that's their equivalent, but they also happen to have a film. <laughs> yeah. So where, where we usually just go and sit in the park and drink as much alcohol we could get from our oldest looking mate from the offie and just sit there in the dark. They had a nice film to watch as well. So maybe they did have it better. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Obviously, it sort of builds Johnny's character quite a bit. Yeah. You realise he's a, an absolute nervous wreck, suicidal. This is um, he's, uh, Ralph Macchio's character. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he, you really sort of start to feel for him. You can see that he yeah. hates this whole gang violence and all that. He just yeah. wants to get away for it. Um, and Pony and Johnny. Um, talk about running away yes get quite deep into their both of their rubbish home life and actually johnny comes out of something quite sad he says that um he says about going home and he says about his mum getting beaten up basically doesn't he um, yeah. but he says i i prefer i preferred it when my um when dad hits me because at least i know he's there which yeah that's a really I mean, that's sad a, line yeah i mean it, there are some really great performances and some inter- the, some really good uh script moments in this uh, just have a problem with the direction <laughs> but it, it does yeah story-wise yeah it, it does well at sort of portraying like I said people being trapped in their circumstances and they're only way you, know, you either think of a way to get out which they can't see or he, like, he, like he says like killing himself is like basically the situation where you where you put before you before you get to the obvious point where you suddenly have plot alert klaxon you're like you, it builds them up to like these are desperate characters stuck in situations that they can't get out of yeah uh, and then exactly at 34 minutes in, we have put our alert Claxon because you've got Johnny and Ponyboy, Karate Kid and C. Thomas Howell. The, the setup is Ponyboy gets home late, has a bit of an argument. Swayze gives him a bit of a backhand. Yeah. And which seems to be a running theme of this film. Characters, the amount of time characters have an altercation and the, the only reaction to it is like, I've now got to run through the darkest streets to music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a recurring motif. You, you get another, another great song played. You get Blue Moon played. But the then I, in my head when I was like looking at talking about it, I was like it felt like Coppola was like I can use this as another opportunity to have some running and some music and you know if we want to go given that we are on the Booze Cruise podcast uh, you want to look at an area the amount of running that's in this film and Cruise partakes in none of it <laughs> it's like <laughs> but maybe this was a film where it was like these all yeah, these feel, you know, all got bigger parts than me maybe it's because they ran <laughs> <laughs> I need to do some running do I, do, I, should like, run, I should run in my films I this can imagine that when they're filming he's just limbering up doing like sprints up and down the set <laughs> well, like, no, I can run I'm really quick <laughs> it's like at several points in the movie 
he does do some backflips and some spins. Yeah, I've got like I've got that down. It's like whoa! I straight away I was like, he must have done his I, own stunts. He always does his own exactly. stunts. Exactly. Like he's known for doing his stunts now, but I was like, yeah, he was doing his own stunts in 1983. Man, the guy wanted to do backflips. I, I can pretty much guarantee that he couldn't do backflips before. I went, maybe you should do a backflip. He was like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll do a backflip. I will do several backflips. I will do the best backflip you've ever seen. So, but before they they disappear, it's obviously signposted again that there's going to be a stabbing because there's yeah. a few little shots of them with their flick knives and stuff. Exactly. And, so, you know, you, so you know, as soon as you see a knife, someone's going to get stabbed. It, it felt like it was going in a certain direction. Uh, obviously, so you get Johnny so, and Pony Boy are on their own, and they get they're know, basically sort of chilling in a park, aren't they? Sat on the swings, yeah, having, after, having yeah, a smoke. There's a lot of smoking in there. A lot of smoking. A lot of smoking. Because there's a great scene later on that I'll show mention later, which is like the the epitome of that. Uh, but because you could get a good drinking game out of that, that every time someone smokes, you drink. <laughs> I, I, in terms of you, know, we, we being the Bruce Cruise, we should always go. How can we get a drinking game out of this? I don't know. You could, if it was, if it was the smoking you would possibly die. So maybe we should think of another one because I can't be responsible for people doing <laughs> Well, doing I was, was going to say, if you smoke when they smoke, but that would you'd probably also definitely probably have cancer you. by the end yeah. of the film. They get accosted essentially by um, the guys who accosted them at the drive-thru. Yeah, the, the, the uh, redhead's uh, drunken boyfriend and his, his chums, mm-hmm. basically. Previously always, mentioned that he like, he'd hit someone with uh, with his rings on and had scarred up one of their friends properly, properly badly. Properly, oh, proper normal then. Properly badly. <laughs> properly badly. I, I had got noticed down that you could you could make a good remake of this set in London. I reckon you could nowadays. Well, like, like you, you could do a modern story, take on this in London, yeah, quite easily. It would be uh, not a stretch, to be honest. So anyway. obviously uh, they get charged down by this, and it well, yeah, exactly. And they, they try to drown Pony Boy in a fountain. He can breathe underwater for quite a long time because that was quite yeah, an extended they... drowning scene. I'd exactly. be dead by and... then. And then, oh, they, yeah. you know, they they kick the shit out of Machio, but and there was a, there is quite a nice shot. And they Coppola, you know, again with, with those kind of six shots, he does a lot of superimposed shots where you've got uh, the background, but a really superimposed foreground shot yeah. of white. So, so, so he does it really well with with this one where where Machio gets the knife out of his back pocket, and you yeah. get the, the fountain scene happening in the background, which you know doesn't actually make sense in terms of. Uh, angles and stuff but works for that but uh, the water changing colour worked well no I hated that oh didn't you I like that yeah because basically I... rather than actually showing what happens no but I like that it, but... I think sometimes in films less is more with, with violent but it, stuff but my, my again my problem was, was that was very much a 60s effect mm. that wasn't a 1980s effect that was no. like so it, to me it felt like Coppola trying to ape a 60s style and it, it just felt it just felt off kilter and did kind of drag me out of it so you basically get a rinse across the screen of, of like a blood in water uh, to obviously you know depict the stabbing and then it just cuts to dead boy on floor and then waking up and seeing what's, what's actually happened um, so I yeah I didn't my, my biggest problem with this film is is Coppola's style choices that were in the way he's in what he's gone for. Pony boys um getting drowned. Johnny freaks out and whips his knife out and kills sort of the ringleader, the yeah. the main the main man of that group. Uh, but it's almost done it sort of like they almost pass out and then suddenly realise what's happened and everyone's gone. It's yeah. very much done sort of oh like you mean I, I that's why I, I, that's why the scene annoyed me because it was like you go and then some blood goes across the screen and something happens. And, like, and they're both like, what happened? It's like, oh, I think I killed somebody. Well, I, I sort of took that as a thing. Those sort of things could feel like such a, a flash 
shock moment yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah, you don't yeah. necessarily take it all in and it's sort of that I felt that sort of added to the he didn't really know yeah. what he was doing or it's just sort of a reaction <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean and I, then oh shit that's that's what just happened sort I of mean, thing as I, a I would as say opposed to of- a premeditated I'm gonna go and stab him sort of thing in terms of performances I would say that Ralph Macchio's is probably one of the strongest in the in the whole oh, yeah. film He's really, really good. Mm. And, you know, probably because he's against C. Thomas Howe, who I, I know he's very young in this, but isn't very good. No. <laughs> As the leader of the film, I mean, he, he, he's, oh, he's very, even in comparison to the rest of the cast, he's very, very young in this. And he's got the weight of the lead on, and the whole film on his shoulders and doesn't really do justice to the role or do very well in it. Not going to have a go at him who's only like 14 right. or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, Ralph Macho is really, really good. And you can see what well, I say. I mean, you can see why he went to bigger, better things like Karate Kid films and My Cousin Vinny. Nothing until a Netflix series, but <laughs> but he is very, very good in this. And yeah, they're like they're in a panic, obviously. So the first thing they think, who who is the one person who's the that dodgiest help fuck that we know? Who is the dodgiest motherfucker who could help us? You know, like that that one. Fr- you know, your the, the classic thing is like. Uh, if you killed somebody, everyone has that one friend that you could call to help you bury the body. <laughs> yeah, and, and and this instance, Dallas is their man. Dal- Dallas so they, is that man. So they head to the bar that they know he's he's I, lives in. He lives I, I, upstairs I so. in a bar. Because I was like, got is like it a, a bar. Or, I couldn't work out if it's a bar or a party, or is it both? Yeah. Is it someone's living room? Is it a bar? Is it a party? Because he answers the door with his shirt off. So I, I thought at first, oh, I must they, be getting some. And then but they go like, upstairs and he's just, just run down. Well, look, he, 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 he says, oh, you know, you know, I was just sleeping out back, trying to get some sleep. I was like, and what I, I there's, a, there's a bit that I quite like where, you know, obviously, and which I guess it was trying to sort of accentuate about the idea that these kids have never been into that, that sort of environment. So they, they take them in, even though they're shell-shocked and they just murdered someone. And they walk past Ponyboy sees uh, people playing pool. Even though he's just been involved in a murder, he like goes, "Oh, pool!" Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, but I, I thought the other thing that was a bit odd is literally they um, they go and ask uh, um, Dallas to come out, and the guy goes back and gets him, and they literally open the door and they go, "We killed someone!" <laughs> <laughs> to it's a quiet. whole bar full of people, like <laughs> we, we just murdered someone. And like, oh yeah, all right, cool, we'll sort this out. <laughs> to be fair, it does seem that sort of bar that they would not give a shit because it is. Yeah. It, it's, it's you two boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like join the crowd. We've all killed somebody. Come it, in. It's like it's like an old shack of a building with a, with a bit of neon lighting. Uh, so that's why I was confused. Like it looks just like someone's house, but it's apparently a bar. And um, I've and I've got at this point that maybe Dallas isn't such a prick. Yeah, because he's really common. Like he, he's like, put a shirt on, dry yourselves. It's right. We're good. We'll be all right. We'll sort this out. We do this. You got to do that. And seems very like calm and but collective it, in, in a, exactly an emergency, like, which is what you want from someone when you kill yeah, someone. Yeah, but it, it kind of goes back and it sort of it plays out through the rest of it. Is that the, about the film being all about characters that can or can't break out of the life they were born into? Yeah. And Dallas is very much a character that can't. And so his character is very much he's a stand-up guy, but the rules say. I've got to kill that guy because those are the, what the rules are in, in my mm. in my world. So I, it doesn't matter. You, you couldn't reason with him. He would just like go, no, but these are the rules, so I'm going to do this. And then he will do things based on his, the life that he's been born into and will never try and break out of that role because that's all that he ever knows and what, can't see any other path. And as it, you know, the further the film goes on, he the, the, the times he butts against the other characters is where he can't understand where they're trying to break out of yeah. the life they've been given. Um, so at that point, Dallas sort of reclothes them, sort of explains yeah. what they need to do, explains that just, you need to you need to escape, I mean, you need uh, to get out of here, you need to 
you need to get on the uh, the freight train. This is what get I, on the freight train. Love, like, the classic sort of uh, head to this random place that I know there's an abandoned church where you can stay. But you like we, it, there's not like a second sort of brother's like when you murder somebody, you get on this three fifteen jump freight train. You go to this church. It's got a water pump. You stay there for a week. You don't come out the door. It's like yeah. like have you done this before? Yes, <laughs> but they don't batter They're like, all right, yeah. Yeah, you, I, I do like their, their reaction is that, you know, scared boys. The, the, what I found with they, they start, the, 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 those two characters, essentially, especially rather, uh, start off in, you know, with the machismo of being in that kind of group. And the more serious the situation gets, the more they become, more childlike they become. Yeah. And by the time they get where they're going to, so they, you know, they've been sent to this church and they go, for, they get there. Pony boy, especially, is like, you know, he's scared by noises that by a raccoon happening outside and thinks he's a monster. And he's like, he's basically now acting the age that, you know, and then he's like, they, they have a whole conversation where he's like, he's only just 14, but he's like 14 for a week. So he's like, he's a kid. Yeah. And he's basically, rever- you know, before and up until that point, he re- he's like been sort of pretending to be a, a, an adult or at least a teenager. At this point, when he's got you know pushed to those sort of levels, where all that stuff happens to him, he's reverted to being the child that he is, and that I, that bit I thought was was very very yeah, good. Yeah, no, it was that that bit, bit is good. Um, one of the interesting bits I found was that you get um obviously they they get on the freight train. Freight trains must be well known for having really lax shit security guards because they're like walking up and down make, to make sure there's no stowaways and they're literally just sat behind them and like it was yeah looks clear it was quite, almost <laughs> so, kind of like, like the uh the sort of like classic montage you almost want to have like that sort of uh banjo escape music like no 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 yeah. no like we're just escaping from the law uh, but then so obviously <laughs> they get on the they get on i've uh, uh, dodged the really rubbish security for the train yeah. get on the train and they end up in the countryside and it's quite clear that they're quite a far, quite away from home. Apparently so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it means you've gone from you know, a suburban area to yeah. you know, the countryside, but in America, that, that's not too hard. And, and you, you, you find our guys walking across some fields and stuff. And all I could think at that moment is, at one point, one of them's going to say one more step, and that's the furthest I've ever gone from the shire. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just because I've watched the Lord of Rings so many times, but that's all <laughs> I could. It had that sort of feel of like, we've never been sad. this far, and they find <laughs> they they stop. They might start making their journey and they come across, um, not miners, but they were some kind of work working men. men. Working men that were working men work. with tools and machines. Yes, yeah, exactly. And they naturally sort of ask them where they are and where the shops are and stuff. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of, you remember... Um, they, they were playing war or something. When they, they say playing... Yeah, playing war, you know, we're just playing war. I, I expected them to go, who's those, like, those kids that murdered that boy? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like that was going to happen, but it, it didn't. So they they end up finding their way to the church, which is a lot a lot. It's quite run down, but also it's probably the worst boarded up, empty building I've ever seen. Because <laughs> if like two young kids can literally just kick off the wood that's across the doors and get in very easily, very quickly. You know, not not to get to another point in the film too early, but uh, does it not make you think that um, there seems to be too many dilapidated churches in this film? <laughs> too too many it's like okay. i was like uh, you know they they get to a, another point in the film they get to another dilapidated church i'm like how many fucking churches are dilapidated and boarded up in this in, you know what what i know it's supposed to be a shitty area uh but that's a lot of shit churches that are just being brought up one of the things i picked up about the church is there's quite a lot of yeah. animals there's quite a lot of animals we get to see yes so you've got your first, you've already there's, there's wild rabbits as well but one of the interesting thing is bear in mind johnny's just killed a man yep um <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what you're thinking. Uh, but Johnny's just killed a man, 
And there was quite, they spent quite a lot of time building up at the start that he's an absolute nervous wreck. Yeah. Pretty low on confidence and everything. But they seem to get to sleep on a hard wooden floor in a dirty church pretty easily. Yeah. Because uh, soon he's quite... just killed someone. And then in the morning, Johnny's been out, got them food, got them entertainment. Exactly. Got them, <laughs> got, got, some, got them stuff to make disguises. He seems very like almost he's gone, oh, I'm such a, I'm so weak and pathetic. I've killed someone. Oh, I know what to do now. I've sort of, I, I can I'm survive buy this. Bread, I'm, I'm going to go buy bread, meats, and some reading material. <laughs> Loads of salami. Oh. Bologna. Bologna. Which, what bologna. is bologna? I don't want to know. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's a term. Uh, it, it's some form of reformed meat that yeah. I don't think any one it, in this country it, should I've got had. it down. It's bologna, is bologna teddy bear ham? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in that, in my mind, I like to think of them having teddy bear ham sandwiches um, <laughs> while I stowed away. Um, but yeah, he, get, uh, he he gets quite a good little shopping list of stuff. He does. Because they're not going to have to go anywhere. So he obviously gets the food. He gets a, he gets them a book to read. And this is at the point when you realise that he should have been the main character, not Phony Boy. <laughs> yes. yeah. like, but also... Um, and you also get stuff for them to cut their hair and dye their hair, which, which I is, thought I was like, it was quite that's, that's quite resourceful. Like, but I do like, like, he's like, I'm gonna dye your hair, person who hasn't murdered anybody. I'm just gonna, you know, wash mine and yeah. <laughs> you can cut a bit off. <laughs> but yeah. for some reason, you need to be bleached. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, um, I mean, I've got it tagged at 50 minutes haircuts and dye jobs. <laughs> is <laughs> the section of this film that you uh, you could label that as but it's it's and to be fair they do a real he does a real good job dyeing pony boy's hair it does it's a nice I mean, yeah, it's, it's, quite it's a, a good colour especially for the too, 60s yeah uh, I, I don't know I, I would imagine the hair dyeing's got better since then so I wouldn't have expected I mean, it to be that good I have seen a lot worse dye jobs done in lockdown than girls than pony boy's yeah. given in this film <laughs> but I've, I've got noted here that um, bless Johnny He's a clever little boy for getting them food, entertainment and disguise. Um, he's really coming into his own since he murdered someone. <laughs> <laughs> it's the making of him. It's and then, the and then I've him. got a note of literally straight after that, having I haven't read the synopsis of the film or seen it before or knew the book, but I've got yeah. going to be pretty sad when he dies. <laughs> it, it's clearly going to die. Yes. Uh, one of them was like, that's why I was like, it, it feels like he should be the main character, but the fact that he's not means he's definitely going to die. Because <laughs> yeah. like, he, he's essentially like, you know, you know given that we've, we got, we've got all the him build up of him, like going, I hate my life, I want to die. And then being pushed in a situation where you know, you've got them like stood on open, glorious fields of Americana going, and just like, just generally randomly talking about the sunrise and the, and the sunset and the beauty of nature. About 54 minutes uh, in, it, this is the first and only point it reminds you that it's a flashback. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, by like so, a sudden, like a sudden bit of voiceover and then like a superimposed bit of him writing in his journal, which which was at the start. And I'm like, make a choice. If it's a flashback, you can't just have a two hour film, one at the start, one halfway through, a little bit in the end, which isn't even a flashback. It's kind of no. refers to itself. It's like, I'm like, did this get lost in the edit? Did you have to decide you weren't going to do it before? Well, that was, I want to use I, that initial scene. It, it, just, it infuriates me. Because <laughs> one of the other things as well, I, I imagine we've both watched the... I think you can only get the 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 full um, book edit now because the original the release version was an hour and was ninety minutes. The original oh. release at cinema is ninety minutes long. You would probably watch the hour and fifty minute version. Or yes, 
Because I've got this in my, because I was like, I thought that, because I did read up that there was a uh, director's cut with 22 minutes footage. And then I thought that was 22 minutes on top of this. And I was like, fuck you if you think I'm going to watch that. No, no, no. So <laughs> the originally the released one, I think, was 97 or 96 minutes. Okay. The original cinematic um, release. So, yeah, this would have been the longer, longer version. Popola does like a director's cut. He likes, you know, he's about as bad as Lucas. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're obviously firm friends. So they're both like, fucking about with things after it's been released to yeah. like make a choice <laughs> it's like, like once it's let, let out of the gap you know let out, you know, i understand the whole if you were you know it's studio interference and if it was made you didn't you know there were things that were changed and you get to change those but constantly going back and going well maybe i should add this i was like i mean the fact that i can can't count on one hand how many different versions of apocalypse now there are kind of suggests where he is with what he did with this film as well um so while they're at the church the past time they uh you see them playing cards and you have pony boy reading gone with the wind yes which i quite i well it, it, it was reaffirming what they originally sort of opened up with in a couple of lines of the Swayze dialogue that he is the sensitive reader of the group. Yeah, and that he he wants to to be um, he he doesn't want all the violence and stuff. He also yeah. then goes on to read um, the Robert Frost poem, "Nothing Gold Can Stay," which he I've does. looked up, which is actually quite a nice little poem. No, but the, <laughs> the bit when he does the poem is I found a little bit weird. Again, because the way because it's sort again, of shot with sort of couplet again does the superimposed shot thing yeah. where he just it. it it looks so odd. Again, it is a style that was often used in the 60s. So if it was a film released in the 60s, it wouldn't look weird because that was a style of filmmaking. Yeah. That was an effect that was used a lot back then. But employed here, I, I think it just looks weird and throws you out of the narrative a little bit. But. Mm. Quite a, a weird poem to quote as well in the light of the film. Yeah, really. I mean... Uh, it, it, it did I mean I got, I got what they were going for but I kind of felt you're, you're stretching a little bit yeah. to you could have found a better uh, <laughs> some better source material for it I think just use some like Keats or something mate like yeah. lonely as a cloud or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that I picked up which happens a few times so the film's got some great songs in it at times mm. but it's also got quite a lot of songs that tell the narrative so, th- so there's a few songs throughout that the lyrics of the song that's played in the background sort of relate back to what's going on. <laughs> so there's there's one that's like, we're travelling down, we're travelling down when they're on the train. And it's a little bit a, on the nose. <laughs> and there's another one that's like, something, I'm changing my ways, I'm changing my style or something around when they're doing their hair change there's a few throughout (laughs) but there's a few that have like it's very much like just telling the story but in the song and you've also got uh, so i've listed also all the animals that you see okay (laughs) you obviously rab you see rabbits you see some owls Uh, yeah you do there's some raccoons Raccoons. There's some rats. <laughs> um, there's at least five other types of birds you see while they're at the, <laughs> at the church. Multiple birds. <laughs> like, just to hammer home, they're out in the country. This is where the animals yeah, are. Yeah. We don't see this shit in the city. There's also, obviously, at this point, uh, Pony Boy, not Pony Boy, sorry, uh, Dallas, Dow turns up. Yeah, and uh, yeah. everything. Yeah, but what the weird thing, I, I was like, I need to look into this because I just thought it was weird. Is that when he first gets there, you know, he obviously he mocks Pony Boy for his, his new blonde hair and all that sort of shit, uh, and then gives him a cigarette and he, he calls them cancer sticks. Yeah, he says, Got a cancer stick, Johnny. And I, straight away, I was like, They say that in the 60s? Because, yeah. like, was this yeah, I didn't think people he... knew back then. It was like, exactly. Smoke this can be healthy. This, this is the point where you had, like, exactly like you say, like, the doctor's adverts, like, going, A cigarette a day keeps the doctor away. Yeah. And I was like, If you want anything more to, like, 
in terms of the actual script and, and the actual, you know, the, the scenes playing out, that's one of the one things that went, we, made me go, this was made in the 80s. <laughs> that, that is, yeah, sure. Eighties was the eighties was the first time they really started pushing yeah. the smoking's bad, smoking. And, and you have uh, later on in the film, you have uh, Patrick Swayze's character going, "Don't you smoke more than one pack a day?" Yeah, <laughs> I was like, actually, my doctor says I should have at least two because <laughs> it's the sixties. Upon Dallas's arrival, other than asking for cigarettes, does yeah. mention about going for food at least three times. Yeah. I think he's pretty hungry. And obviously, they, well, interestingly, I didn't realise that Dairy Queen was a big thing. Like, I didn't know that they were around in the 60s. Yeah. I didn't know they were a big, long-running chain of burgers. It's places. one of those things that you, you kind of like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, Dairy Queen, that, that, that's our thing. Yeah. No, well, I've heard of Dairy Queen. It's been in loads of American films and stuff and, and TV shows. So it's quite a well-known chain, but I didn't realise it had been going for that long. And they're very, um, considering they've been starving, they throw half of their food away. <laughs> but yeah, they throw half it away while also using the rest to wipe around their faces. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, again, I don't know what Coppola's direction was, but it was like, they're like basically, eat like you've never eaten anything. And like, uh, uh, uh. Obviously, <laughs> like, don't stop. actually eat the food don't because it's, fa- it's prop food. So, <laughs> Although I did think that uh, Machio's fake food eating was actually the best out of fake food eating <laughs> out of all of them. He, he did look like he was yeah, having some good, helpful yeah helpful uh mouthfuls and but like you say then they, they all just like throw that shit away but yeah. then obviously we they, they take this point to introduce the fact that uh dallas has bought a gun <laughs> yeah dallas has got a gun and there's this point where i kind of go oh dallas is the bad guy yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, wait well it took you till bad. then to realize that he <laughs> no, was the but bad. You know, you kind of knew he was like the bad C, but you, you know there could have been a point where he had a bit of a redemptive arc. But at this point, you know, I kind of go, he's Johnny Rafmacho's character wants to like, basically goes, I want to go home, I want to confess, none of because he's like, you know, I don't want anyone else to suffer for what I've done. Yeah. I want to own up to what I did and say none of you, you know, none of because uh, basically they're like basically he, he realizes that if they continue on this path, Pony Boy is going to end up in care, and it's not, because of nothing that he did. And it's all down to him. And he's like, I will take it on the chin. I will, I will confess it because I don't want Pony Boy to go through that. Uh, and Dallas is like, the fuck are you talking about? But, so- <laughs> we have, we've come this far. Now you want to fucking you know? I've done all this. I, I gave you money. I told you what train to get. I took you to a church with a raccoon. Yeah. And now you want to come home? No. No. And I was like, oh, he's 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 gonna push them. Like again, yeah, he, he's gonna make them he, go. We might as well just rob a fucking bank now, guys. Like exactly. He's like, what do you mean you could do something else other than this horrible life that we're being given? Yeah. Like he he can't get out of that. So he's like, fuck you. No, it's got to be this way. Um, but we, we we've also stepped past the fact that um, that Pony Boy had a letter from his family, uh, from yes, his brother, saying that uh, to sort of hand himself in or sort himself out, didn't they really? And then, but it's all. But I think I phased whole, out about that. Point. But the whole well, that whole letter bit is not really that important, other than to point out that no one's asked where Johnny is. Yeah, his mum oh, and yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, don't that, give yeah, a shit. Yeah. Basically, yes. So that's whole that whole letter point is um you know it's to point out that his family don't love him at all. Yeah. I mean, which I is then further emphasized later on when you meet Johnny's mum. Yes, 
I mean, what I felt, what I was wasn't expecting, given the the cast of this film, I thought it was going to be much more of an ensemble piece. But to, other than the sort of the introduction of the characters, basically the, the whole second act of the film is mostly a almost double hand between uh, Cesar Mazzal and Ralph Macchio and with Matt Dillon coming in. Yeah, because you, then you go. You got again. It's that thing of like not the only sort of proper name in this film at the time was Patrick Swayze because obviously he was more of an 80s star at that time of, of his age. But I'm sitting there going, "Why is where's Emilio Estevez? Where's Rob Lowe? Where's Tom Thomas yeah. Cruise? Where are you?" And so like they, they all disappear for the whole middle of the film. Yeah, uh, so you get really to the, the 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 next main story bit after after Dallas has arrived and they've had their food. You mean plot alert klaxon number two? Uh, uh, plot is happening because <laughs> they they I, I do like you do get in films you know of this era where you like go from like we're just having nothing's happening nothing's happening suddenly a random event is happening and it is a, going to be integral to the plot yeah. uh, which in this circumstance is out of nowhere another dilapidated church is on fire which I found confusing at first because I was like is that the same I church was like, is that, that, is that like, the same church was it a different church? Because if it was the same church, because why were none of these kids and people around it earlier? If it's all boarded up and dilapidated, why are people in there? Well, I suppose like when you kids they go out and play in empty buildings, don't they? No, but, uh, that's why that's uh, why uh, empty buildings are dangerous. Well, but he suggested because there were loads of adults with them. It was like we haven't got all the kids out yet. I was like, what were you having like a Sunday service in a dilapidated church and it caught yeah, fire? It's a bit weird. And you left it, that that one. I was like, I just couldn't resolve how they made. But that then there's other I, strange bits. So obviously um, Donnie and Pony Boy go in to try and save the kids. Yeah. Um, so that's they, their first thing. He's like, they're, they're really shit away, getting like, into it. Um, Dally obviously doesn't go and help because he's a prick. No. Um, yep. So the church is burning down. There's kids stuck inside. They start trying to save the kids. Um, <laughs> I, my, my one of them were... bites them. Did you pick <laughs> up on that? Yeah. One did, of yeah, the kids yeah. bites Wait, them from saving them from a burning building. It bites uh, uh, Dallas, doesn't it? Bites Dalek. Yeah. You're like, but fucking my only note for, for this section was uh, uh, the Reverend's wife in The Simpsons. Well, somebody think of the children. <laughs> it's like because it's like you wait for these two these two essential children to turn up, yeah. but you've got several adults there, like going, "Well, I guess those kids that we haven't got out yet are going to burn to death." Yeah. They're like, but they're just standing around doing nothing, and they're like, well, and oh, I suppose there. these other kids that have gone in to save our kids would just die yeah, anyway." So, so. Uh, we'll, we'll just let these other mildly older children yeah. go and save. And the they other put, they're like, "Don't go in." Oh, they've gone in. Oh, they've, they've <laughs> gone in, haven't they? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I know that you know who. You know, we don't need to develop these characters, but who are these people? <laughs> why were they there? Why are they not? Why have they put a children in a dilapidated, dilapidated church, allowed it to get set fire to, and then gone? Well, I guess they should just burn to death, <laughs> and then be like, because well, obviously, you know, you, you the, the big plot point here is obviously within. Them trying to save those kids it starts to collapse. Johnny Ralph Macchio's character gets takes a bit the brunt of it. He takes, takes the brunt of it. Yeah. Uh, they all they all get you know they all get injured. But uh, Dallas takes minimal injuries. Yeah, because he, he, he like at the end the only but again the only reason that he goes in is to help Ponyboy and, and Johnny. He doesn't he's not about he doesn't give a shit about the kids. He, the only thing that he cares about is saving those. So by this point of the film, I drank quite a bit more, and yes. I've gone just it sums up generally in life that all good things happen to bad people and lots of bad things happen to good people 
it's just not fair. Um, and I've got not fair underlined. Not um, fair. Several times until you've gone through the page. <laughs> you get quite um, a, a big um, cut now to the the other hat to, back to Swayze's house, really, don't you? But before that, obviously, you because this this point needs to be made out because we were talking about uh, smoking in the film. You, you cut to. I see in the hospital, you know, you go, you have ambulance. Oh, yeah. They're, they're taking he's covered in smoke got, and soot, and he's smoking. And you got the guy who was just stood up there, not saving the children, not even trying to. And he's like, Oh, you're a hero. And then he cuts to the where they're in the hospital, sat uh, waiting to find yeah, out Johnny. With the, with the fat Both guy that with was a fag on. Up, but you've got the fat guy who was the fat adult guy who stood outside yeah. the, the, the church going, Oh, they're all going to die. And he's die. just sort of sat there. And he goes, You shouldn't smoke, kid. <laughs> Well, he's smoking. he's smoking, but then to be fair though, Both he does reply back and say, a "Hospital," <laughs> and he, but he does reply back, doesn't he? Saying like, he does like, you know, what's the point? Uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna die a lot. You're basically going, I'm, "There's a lot of other things that are gonna kill me before smoking does." Essentially, yeah. But it was more the fact I was like, I'm like smoking in the hospital, but apparently these are cancer sticks. <laughs> but yeah. At which point we meet the, I've got it as the one hour and eight minutes. Tom Cruise Return appears. We're <laughs> okay, turning the cruise and he lacquered a cake. Yeah. Lots of, I, at first, I didn't realise what it was. I was like, why have they got all black on their face? What? what I thought it, well, and then the you see thing, the, I, I, uh, I thought he was um, like chewing like tobacco. Yeah, that's what I thought of. Because you had an earlier scene of, you know, when, when Estevez is, is like offering chewing tobacco out, yeah. I was like, is crew just like covered in shit? Or just like tobacco. drinking motor oil or something. I wasn't <laughs> like, I was like, that's why he's a greaser. Or just like motorboating a pig or something. I don't know. <laughs> there isn't any pigs. I didn't know that time. Um, one of the bits I really don't understand, but they do sort of point it out strangely because Emilio mm. Estevez's character is wearing a Mickey Mouse t-shirt, yes, he which is, is quite odd team. considering he's the only person throughout it who's not just wearing like a blue sleeveless denim shirt. So yeah. he, he's watching Mickey Mouse, and then they pop the telly on, go, "Oh look, Mickey Mouse is on," which is That's really it, I, weird. It's sort of I a weird reference because it, it's a weird uh, reference only... to point out to for a character trait to. To go to the effort of having a weird then, character trait for someone who's in the film for literally a couple of minutes. And then when, when you realize, obviously, it's got to be one of those things where you go, This is a thing that's based on a book. Mm. I'm guessing that got lost in translation somewhere along yeah. the line. There's probably whole chapters about his affiliation with Mickey Mouse and why he loves the mouse that is Mick, but it doesn't really come across on the screen. Mm. <laughs> he just walks around with big white gloves going, Ooh. But, you know, saying that, obviously, after that, you know, they, they all kind of leave it it's basically sets up the scene that because of everything that's happened there's going to be a big rumble between yeah, but and but even that's not really gone into much detail like we're all just supposed to, to know it's kind oh, of like, right. it's, it's people like have rumbles regularly like do you not remember but, you know, your rumbles when you were a kid when you just go across town and kill people you know, there's going to be a rumble between the you know the greasers and the shosh uh pony boy and Estevez you know whatever his character's called <laughs> go for a walk Go to diner, which leads to my, you know, as we always should have, the, my favorite line of the film, uh, which I picked out where, you know, they get to the uh, Estevez and, and Pony Boy get to the, the diner and they see some, you know, the the, the friend of the guy who's got oh, killed. Yeah. And they, they turn up and they're like, oh, might be a bit of trouble. Let's just see what they want to say. Let's see what they want to say. And obviously, there always been a discussion that wrong was going to happen. And Estevez goes, no jazz before the rumble, Ape Face. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
No jazz before because the I, rumble. But ape face. I'd like. <laughs> I, we need to get some uh, speak to some American people or guests on this at some point <laughs> from the sixties. To, to, to just, just understand whether well, did people ha- is it like having a rumble with like having a big organized fight with people like a regular occurrence? Is that a thing? <laughs> the, the thing it's very think. not. It's not like explained at all. It's just like. Yeah, the rumble's going on. Like we should all just know what that is. The, the only context I have is like boxing and a man on the mic going, "Let's get ready, to yeah. rumble." Bruce Buffer like, or Mike Buffer, like, one of the buffers. Yeah. Or a Royal Rumble. I, I wasn't sure they were going to find a wrestling oh, ring and start throwing them exactly, out. Exactly. Yeah, it's way before Hogan, so it wouldn't. There's no chance of that. Um, I've got that. I've, I've got respect for Johnny and for Pony for saving the kids, putting them lives at risk. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, again, we, it, you know, we kind of like skipped ahead a little bit, but the obviously they have to go home. Uh, but the the way the paper portrays is like, yes, you've got these uh, the kids who's involved in, in like these killing or the killing of this kid, but they are heroes. Uh, and Machio's character Johnny is uh, he's, he's he's alive. But it don't look good. No, he don't look good. It his does face, not look good. He's face down and he looks a bit like a a bit like some grilled bacon. He looks <laughs> rather he, American he, bacon, not British bacon. You know how yeah, they have it extra, extra oh, crispy. Yeah, yeah. He but looks you could always extra snap crispy. it in half. The, 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 there's some flickiness around the shoulders. And, but yeah, again, Johnny comes out of some really sort of heartfelt touching stuff. I've got at this point, Johnny is too much. I loves him. Um <laughs> And oh no, yeah. oh no, his mum's a drunk. It explains it all. I mean, there is, in terms of the, <laughs> I've got like 116 karate kid turns into burn unit kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, he, he, he basically has this whole little uh, peel on, of peel it. off. Gayle's <laughs> <laughs> uh, son, blister, blister. Yeah. <laughs> But he basically goes, you know, where the start of the film, he wanted to die. Uh, now that he's, you know, seen life, he doesn't want to die anymore. And 16 years isn't long enough to to appreciate life and he wants to live. And I was like, A bit late again, for that now, mate. why aren't you the main character? Not only just performance, but in terms of the actual character, he's the character that we're most invested in. I found the scenes where you're seeing him really burnt and stuff quite hard to watch in some ways because uh, it sort of brought back of memories for me having got really badly sunburned on a school water sports trip and had to go to a hospital in Spain with second degree burns so it yeah. brought it all back to me I remember being covered all, yeah. they covered me in iodine and then wrapped me in cling film <laughs> did you also have a, have a, a like soliloquy about being 16 years too young to die <laughs> no but I had just killed someone <laughs> It all comes back because like this is basically based on your life, isn't it? This, yeah. or, or did you find this book and go, "I am going to be Johnny and, and just live it out"? Uh, to feel, I've always wanted to get away from my my life of fighting and murder um, <laughs> and start reading more, reading more, and reciting poetry. So when when they got to the point where he's in the hospital, I was like, "You're not dead!" Like mm. not only did like half a church on you, you also seemed to go down a hole. So I don't know how they got the, got you out. It's like he fell through the floor. And had half a church for him. But I was like, yeah, yeah, no. you've basically been brought back to say some poignant lines and then die. Well, they point out as well, don't they, that he, he his back's broken. He'd never, they don't, he won't ever walk, walk again. He's, basically, he's like, you might as well 
fucking kill yourself, mate. It's, yeah. it's basically they set him up as the um, sacrificial lamb. It's like you know you're gonna have you you have to die now to teach the other characters a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Move away from the hospital scenes. And it starts yeah. building up the the rumble again. So it's I mean, almost like the pre-show for the rumble now, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, and you get pretty much build up. There's a scene where, but essentially, yeah, yeah, through conversation, you find out that Cherry Diane Lane's character has yeah. been playing both sides and like feeding information to the greasers. But again, she's like she wants she wants to help. She doesn't like it. She you know she she you know she uh, you know feels for uh, Pony Boy and Johnny, and she wants to you know help him out. That scene between Pony Boy, you know, they meet up with her. She gives them information about the Rumble. That might have been a good scene. I couldn't tell because the fucking music was basically playing over every bit of dialogue. But I could also, barely hear what they were saying. But also at that point, she comes out of something that's really fucking stupid. In that she, when she's talking to Pony and she says, maybe, maybe Bob did deserve it to get killed. Maybe he did deserve to die. What? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Beating someone up and stuff is a bit different to killing someone. Yes, from being um, murdered. It's I don't and they know are just kids. I'm not sure if it's the mix that is on Apple TV, but the soundtrack at points was all I could hear to the point where there was like music blowing, and the guy was like, "I was like, I don't know what they're saying. I'm like, I actually couldn't. That entire scene, I have no idea what was said because all I could hear was music." Blowing. And I was like, why is this film like this? Why, why, why were these choices made? So I will take your word for it that that conversation happened because I don't know. You, you should have a timestamp coming up now. Um, one hour, 25 minutes? Yes. Uh, Tom Cruise, Cruise does a backflip. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise arm wrestle, followed <laughs> arm by wrestle Tom backflip. Cruise doing a backflip off a car. For no oh, reason oh, does he do a backflip. I know, There's uh, no need like, for one. Suddenly at one minute 25, you get a Cruise arm wrestle, a shirtless Swaysley, and then a Cruise backflip. It's the highlight of the film. <laughs> also, was things like backflips like well-known sort of thing that people did? Like, I've got a feeling like back, like <laughs> no, like because like um, gymnasts and stuff wouldn't have been they well, they wasn't really much telly, it so it, like it wouldn't have been publicised like... doing things like that. It, and, I always think of things like that coming in in the eighties when people did like break dancing and yeah, but, you know, in, in terms like of his form when he does the backflip, that's a tight barrel flip you know almost yeah. you know when you see like divers do like that barrel roll flip it's like he does that i was like that's a trained but you, you've been trained to do that you yeah. as a greaser just working in the garage yeah who taught you to do that yeah. <laughs> who taught you and <laughs> how can you do that when you're putting away that much cake <laughs> if you're shoveling large quantities of chocolate cake into your face why are you so ripped and how do you do bad with that's all happening when they're moving off um, to the rumble which I feel they the... missed a good chance of introducing the rumble as having someone like Bruce Buffer come in and say, now it's your main <laughs> event. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, if this film was set in the 90s, they could have had a deck, like just, like, just playing over it. <laughs> Let's get rid of the rumble. Let's get rid of the rumble. Let's get it. The rumble starts and it's basically yeah. a bit like the old firms. You've got one side, one side. <laughs> I was thinking a bit football factory when I was looking at it. Yeah, but I was expecting more to happen because not a lot. I mean, you well, get I've got of... it down here as the shittest, least erotic mud wrestling I've ever seen. <laughs> and I've seen quite a bit of mud wrestling. <laughs> um, the rumble kicks off in the, it starts to rain. Of course. So they're does. all sliding all over each other. Some of the fighting's pretty shit. I know they're kids and kids like, don't actually fight that well. No, but do you, they? even so the way I'm the not shit... expecting it to be like a 
a John Woo. Even action the way the stuff's framed is like, it's like, yeah, you just hit that guy. Um, you're about ten foot away from his face. So I can see that. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give it a pass because the what it was shot. But in terms of the framing of the shots, doesn't you know, you know, doesn't particularly work. It doesn't see. You know, there's no immediacy to the fight. It's it's all a bit samey. But I was expecting at least some sort of plot development. Yeah. A bit like you know those shit films you mentioned, like the Football Factory. The Rumble has a key character coming to a bitter end, which propels the plot forward. But it kind of just stops, yeah. <laughs> or like it kind of just peters out, and then I go. So we, I get apparently we won, and uh, what I love is like there's a shot where uh, you've got the majority of the greasers like going, "Yeah, we won," but there's still like a little a little scrap happening behind them, where the guy's not realised that he's supposed to have fucked off. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, oh, no, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a social person, I'm gone. And like, yeah, we won. I was like, yeah, he just. It, it doesn't really seem to serve any real purpose other no. than to reintroduce Dallas, who has been you know laid up in the hospital. He turns up out of nowhere and goes, I'm getting stuck in. Yeah, and, and he does get stuck fight. in. He um, does get stuck in. And, and obviously the Greasers win. And I, I've got in my notes, they win, but at what cost? Um, <laughs> <laughs> they end up sort of licking their wounds and going home and they do. everything. At uh, which point... I mean, obviously we, we didn't mention that Ponyboy, you know, he... He stood up, but he went in and he, he takes a proper bit of a beating. Big time. So then you get number cliche number 452, the taking someone to hospital. And I go, oh, he's, you know, he's just fallen over. You know, getting stopped by the police. Like, oh, we're in trouble. Yeah. We realise we, we're part of the fight. He's like, no, no, he's just fallen off his bike. He's like, it's fine. I will give you an escort then. It's like, I yeah, was going to arrest you. The other bit of that, gonna... the other bit of that, obviously, uh, Pony's looking pretty fucked up and they're taking him to hospital. Yeah. But the guy driving looks equally as fucked up. But the police officer <laughs> like doesn't bat an eyelid. Like he's got a massive black eye, and you can clearly see he's been in a fight. And the driver's like, the policeman's like, "Yes, I can see your passenger looks hurt. You so, look fine." <laughs> I was also on the bike. <laughs> the bike fell into me when he fell off. <laughs> it's like, like when he fell off the bike, I was the person that caused the fall. Surely at car. that time period, With all you'd thing. ever need to say is. My dad whipped my ass, and they go, "Okay, then, boy." <laughs> yeah, just exactly. say, "Yeah, my dad hit me." Pony heads back to hospital. Yeah, with it Dallas. Happened. The uh, the moment we've all been expecting, the moment we've been dreading. We've been dreading, yeah. It's, it happens, and Johnny dies. Karate Kid death. Karate Kid dies. Which is what should have been the ending in Karate Kid, really. <laughs> like crane kick doesn't work. Snick snap. <laughs> it's like finish him. I, I've I've seen Cry Kid and I've never I've watched it several times and at no point have I cheered on his character. He makes a mockery of the whole thing. Yeah, Johnny Johnny dies and it's sad. They, they even do the thing was like Dallas is supposed to be like going no he can't be dead but I was like yeah, but is he dead? He kind of just like a I mean uh, Machio does a good couple of uh, scenes where he's like where he passes out where he does a good like tongue out of mouth sort of like I'm dead there. Yeah, <laughs> like, he does a good dead face. He does a very good dead face. The the point where it really tips. No, because you've, got a, over the you've got a little bit before that. So an hour and thirty seven. Tom Cruise discusses his teeth. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like checking my notes, so I'm going what? Hour and thirty seven. Tom post fight. Tom Cruise is saying about how his teeth got messed up. Yeah, one of no, the I very few the lines scene, he has in the film. Yeah, he discusses it around his, which seems really weird because Johnny's died, but then they give him dialogue talking about his slightly he know smashed up died teeth. Yet. No, he doesn't. Um, and obviously, they find out everyone. Yeah, obviously, this is like pre 
Cruz braces. I think post this film. Yeah. He, he obviously had braces. Yeah, because there's a few times in it I thought his teeth are really bad. Yeah. But like for yeah, like, Hollywood film actor bad, not like, you know. Like, yeah. He, and, he, like, and I thought, and I he, wasn't sure if it was, I just noticed it in this film because he's being a, he's a greaser and he's supposed to be a bit skanky. So they've tried to emphasize it. Yeah, yeah, you, you, we should do more, but you, I definitely realized you know, it in taps as well. Um, and it was clearly like, oh, you're hot right now, but we need to fix your teeth, is what, mm. what happened. Mm. Um, so, at which point, upon hearing about Johnny's death, um, our main man, or everyone's favorite, Dallas, <laughs> fucking <laughs> loses his shit. But, like, in the most mundane way for. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm so I'm gonna angry. Go, I'm going to go and rob a shop. But no, 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 I'm going to go to a shop and like rip up some magazines. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm going to rip up some magazines, man. And then I'm going to fucking, uh, you know, pretend to... Because, uh, again, the uh, one of the points is that the gun that he's got isn't even loaded. It doesn't even have any bullets in it. So he, uh, he kind of... It's, it's almost like giving the character a get out of jail free card. It's like, yes, you're an absolute arsehole, but you're never actually going to hurt anybody. No, because that yeah, so that's not the core of the character. So he tries to rob the shop. The guy behind the shop's got a gun as well. Seems and quite hesitant to use it as well. But doesn't then, he? He, then he does, does as he's like running away and shoots him in the back, which, which actually suggests that he does get hit because he, he has a little bit of a tumble, needs yeah. a bit of blood, and he runs. He does, run. and oh, does he run? So this Again, is the point that Tom Cruise must have been watching, going, "That's what I need to do. That's how I become a star. That's how I'm going to get my star." Status. Run. I mean, I, I need to run. Um, but he runs, and it's quite a disappointing ending. For ending for Dallas, <laughs> they do shoot him quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, but they don't really get a close up on it or anything. He sort of no, gets no, 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 roundabout it, exactly. and he it, just gets mowed down basically. And it, but it's like they shoot him. He's like, ah, oh, I've been shot. Run a bit more. Shoot him again. He's like, ah, oh, I've been shot again. And then he runs a bit more. He's like, oh, I've been shot again. And then yeah. all, all, all the boys, you know, they, they realize this has happened. They all turn up, and it's the. I think I can't think of which character it is who gives this sort of like the shout, you know, the the, the scream against the world. I think it, it might be. I think it's it's either Swayze or Robolo who gives us a sort of like screaming to the clouds. God damn it! Can't you see what you've done here? It's like the, the full on sort of emotional plea to the world. I was kind of expecting the film to stop with that. Then you get the actual happy ending. Is it happy? Well, <laughs> Soda Pony and Daryl sort out their oh. issues, don't they? And Soda okay. instigates a big heart to heart and family hug and everything else. At which point, yeah, what, I, yeah. I wasn't sure whether it was going to be a false happy ending what, at that point. What precedes the family hug? Oh, sorry, the the court case. No, no, no. Not even that. I'm talking about again. Someone has an argument in that household and decides there's a run off into the night. Oh, and they yeah. Have to chase him. It's like again, another running scene <laughs> where people are just running around again, not involving. Tom maybe this, maybe happening. we can pinpoint this this film and the running in it as to where Cruz the penny dropped with like, him, and he everyone. went from being an average film star to being the Hollywood superstar that he became. 100%. This is where, you know, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. (laughs) (laughs) You've got the running and the family bit, but you also get Pony's court case, don't you? You get... A a montage of a court case, like an afterthought. And he gets off. But again, he didn't, I mean, he didn't kill, I mean, the the guy who, you got a dead guy and the guy who killed the guy, but he's dead as well. I can, can, but again, it does very much feel like an afterthought where they've got Tie things up with like, yeah. oh yeah, we they're, they're they're tied to the fact that they use the framing device of it being a flashback. They've got to fucking tie it all together and go, what happened to this character? Um, the only bit I like out of this whole wrap up 
is that you then have Pony Boy going back to school and he sees Cherry and they, they, they obviously they've had Diana and Cherry they've, they've had this you know these you know big moments happen to them in their lives yeah. and earlier in the film she said I can't you know if you see me in school I can't you know don't be offended if I don't say hello to you I can't do I can't necessarily say hello to you because of yeah. you know what I'm stuck to do but then everything that's happened to them in between this film it gets to the end and, and like says you know Gives her the thought, of the eye not saying hello, but she still can't say hello yeah. because she, like Dallas, is stuck in her class system and she she's stuck in the position that she was born to and can't get out. Whereas he finally manages to break free and was like, "You're doing really well, right?" And, like, and then you've got the really sort of cliche people like going, "You're flunking the class because I understand because of all you missed, but you you've got talent and you can pass. Maybe you should write about something you know." And then, and then suddenly go, "Oh yeah, it's a flashback. It's he's writing." about his experiences and yeah that brings the film to its uh to its conclusion before we got that the last note i have obviously when, when you get to him like he's been told to write about something he knows he um opens he up down, his book i want to say book what's in his book it's a karate kid letter from the grave <laughs> i've got i've got finds a letter in the book from johnny just wow what a guy love that boy so sad that he's gone <laughs> <laughs> I think at that point, I think uh, I think as the film went on and the rums went down, I was getting more emotionally attached to Johnny as it went on to a point where I was just felt so sad. Um, I've also got that takes our Tom Cruise count in this film to four scenes. <laughs> Not a big hitter for Tom in this one. Um, no, I mean if, if we go on, you know, our 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 general Cruise count that we do, as in the the, the four tropes of Cruise, uh, where you've got. Running, shitting, grin, manic laugh, and shirtless. He only hits one of them. I've, I've got sh- just shitting, grin. There is no manic laugh. There is no shirtlessness. But there is a bit of a shitting, grin at points when he's like, just because he can't help it. <laughs> like even if it's not recalled for in the script, he will pull out that shitting, grin because that that's just him. Even if it is when he's got cake all over his face. Low on the cruise count. I quite enjoyed I it. I mean, though. I'm in two minds. There's I mean, bits I, of it I, I didn't. There's bits of it I didn't get. But a cinematic experience. Story-wise, I thought it was well put together. Decent story. Engaging. I, you, I had a connection to characters, which is half the thing with a film. If I, I don't give a shit about any of the people in it, then I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, and I, it didn't feel like a slog at the time. Like no, It didn't feel no, like no. it went on for too long or anything like that. I enjoyed the performances, like, like Macchio. I mean, pretty much you, you've got this whole raft of 80s and 90s to future stars, and you can see for a lot of them why that you if you if you go like oh C. Thomas Howell isn't as well known as Estevez, Macchio, Lowe, Cruz, Swayze. Yeah. You can see why, because they're fucking great. I mean, small roles like like Swayze has little to nothing to do, but he's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's, really he's totally form. believable, isn't he, all the way through? Yeah, it, it's more you're looking at this, especially in the sort of in, in a retrospective way, like going, I can see why those people went on to be bigger and better things. Yeah, um, a couple of a couple of interesting things I've, I've just found that I didn't realize. You, you mentioned Nicolas Cage is in it, and he's mm-hmm. he's a an ex, like an extra almost. Um, he's, he yeah, plays, I'm going to come in. Do you know who who one of the other uncredited cameos is? I know um, his uh, daughter, Sophia. No, Bobby, no, no. Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I did see, yeah, I did see that. That's amazing. There is some random names in this film. That's really random. Was it a cruise liner? Or a bin liner? Yeah. I'm going with bin liner. I, really? Uh, yeah, purely on, uh, and I put this purely at the foot of Coppola's director and the choices that he made. It's a film full of great performances 
are great actors, but I, I do not like the choice they made. And it, too many times did it take me out of the, of the narrative of the film. I didn't enjoy it. Um, so it's a bin liner. Personally, I'd go cruise liner. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, entertaining watch. Uh, I, was, I, I think mainly because I, I, I might have fell in love a bit with Johnny as I was going through it. it. I just, that, that's been a emotionally, it, we, we've got a connection there. <laughs> if I was really poor and grew up without parents that cared for me and stuff, I think I, I could, I could have gone down the same route as him. <laughs> okay, one, one last big question. Um, so, what would you prefer to play the show out to, Billy, uh, Billy Jean by Michael Jackson? Or Total Eclipse of the Heart. The the homosexual in me says Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart. 